This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 11. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today also by Matthew Marister. Greetings, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be with you all. Uh, today's episode is going to be a fun one, I think, because Matthew and I, in preparation for this, went back and re-listened to an episode we did over five years ago called uh, Everything About, or I don't know, I don't remember the exact title of it, but something about all about uh, appendix carry. And it was episode 76 of the, of the podcast. It was recorded back in December of 2016. Wow. Lots happened in five years and three months ish plus somewhere in there. Anyway, uh, we, we, we just had the thought we'd go back and rehash out an old episode and uh, talk, talk with you all about what's changed, what's changed for us, what's changed in terms of our gear and also what's changed, I think in the industry and for concealed carriers at large, like especially with respect to appendix carry, because there's been a lot of change in five years, uh, which is kind of cool to see because where we're at now is a, is a very different world than it was even five years ago in terms of the products that even exist that make appendix carry uh, more possible and more achievable for more people. And it's safer, too, than it ever has been before. So... Looking forward to breaking this down and rehashing this all out and seeing where we've come from and seeing where we're going from here with respect to this topic. But today's episode is sponsored, brought to you by first Gunfighter Gun Oil. Gunfighter Gun Oil is my brand of choice now these days. Uh, I've been using it for some time now. I've got a whole stash of it just on the other side of my desk here. Actually, I was uh, getting ready to do a little maintenance with uh, a couple of my guns. And I just really appreciate it. It's a top-notch quality product for a reasonable price made in the good old U.S. of A. And is backed by some some good dudes. Uh, Mickey over at Gunfighter Gun Oil is, is, is a good man. Uh, tr- a true dyed-in-the-wool Second Amendment supporter and believer uh, and makes a fantastic product. Their grease is great. It's excellent as well. They got a whole uh, uh, line of products, including cleaning products as well. So check out Gunfighter Gun Oil by going to gunfighteroil.com today. Also uh, available on our site as well, but feel free to throw Mickey your money. Go go, go straight over to gunfighteroil.com. That'll be great. Also, today's episode sponsored by the 2022 Guardian Conference. You've been hearing about that a, a bit lately because we're, we're starting to push on that a little bit more, locking down more and more plans relating to the conference and instructors. Uh, you can see who our current lineup of instructors are at guardianconference.com. And that's not a complete list. There's a couple of folks I'm still working on finalizing and really looking forward to seeing where that all uh, washes out at the end of the day. It's going to be a great conference. We got a ton of great instructors. In fact, one of those 
this will be his first time at the conference this year, and that is Wayne Dobbs. And actually, I'm interviewing him on the podcast here later today. So don't miss that episode. That's going to be a great one as well. Wayne has a very uh, no-nonsense approach to personal defense and carrying a gun and concealed carry. And we're going to talk about real-world skills with him. It's going to be a fascinating episode. I'm, I'm sure, sure of that. It's also going to be our monthly Guardian Nation live broadcast guest, uh, which is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. For those of you Guardian Nation members that are that want to, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, I should say, that for those of you would like to tune in for that or catch the replay of it, of course, in the Guardian Nation members dashboard area of the site. But uh, guardianconference.com is where you can learn more about the conference. It's going to be three days of top-notch, world-class, awesome training. And plus, you're going to be able to hang out with, with us and our whole team and like 100 other of or, pl- or more of like-minded individuals that are all there trying to do the same thing. And that is learn, educate, be more prepared, be uh, more skilled in the arena of personal defense and concealed carry because we got classes on not just shooting but on stuff like medical uh we'll have stuff like oc spray or or pepper spray being covered we'll have uh, legal being covered we'll have hand-to-hand uh fighting and combatives uh the whole the whole gamut okay so check it out again uh, guardianconference.com so Here we go. Let's get into it, Matthew. As mentioned, we uh, we began preps, preparations for this episode by re-listening to episode 76. It's been a while since I've re-listened to something I recorded a long time ago. And it's kind of awkward a little bit, you know, um, because a lot happens and a lot changes in five plus years. And I mean, like, no matter who you are, I, I believe you're going to be a different person. And if you are the same person, there's something wrong <laughs> in five years, you know, um, because we should hopefully always be growing and learning and developing and getting better at stuff and smarter and wiser. Right. And so fortunately I, as I was listening back to the episode, it, it was both, uh, it, it was, I was expecting to hear myself say way more dumb stuff than I did, <laughs> but there's also some things that I wish I had said, um, but <clears throat> I didn't maybe know some of those things five plus years ago, and that's the way it goes. And so we're here today to talk with you about five years of appendix carry and what's changed. What's changed for us, uh, Matthew and I, we, we did that episode together back then. Um, what's changed in terms of how we carry, uh, what we carry, the gear we're using, um, our attitudes towards appendix carry, and but also uh, how has the industry changed? I think will be a, a relevant um, discussion as well, uh, just because we're in a very different place. Yeah. So, yeah, when when you uh, <laughs> recommended that we we're going to do this topic, and you said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna cover this topic again," and I had to go back and listen to the podcast and I don't listen to the po- any of the podcasts that we do. Like if, if I'm on it, I just don't listen to it. It's just what I do. Uh, I'm annoyed with my own voice. So, um, <laughs> but plus, you know, if, 
and I think it's it's funny it's 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 memorialized right and so everything we say we don't script this this podcast out and there are podcasts that do that and that's great and and you know they might have a, a we have a topic of course but um, we don't have a, a script written out or anything uh, this is all um, you know on the spot and you know, if you recorded an hour's worth of you talking about a subject and couldn't go back and edit it or anything, and it's out there for years, um, you know, you might not want to listen to those, those five years later, six years later or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it, I think it's good that we're visiting, revisiting this topic. Um, because like you said, there so much has changed in the industry, um, as, you know, as you develop, uh, whatever you, you should never be stagnant, right? Like there should always be growth. And, um, and I think it's, it's important to go back and revisit these and I'm glad we're doing that. I'm glad you picked this, this topic to start with. Yeah. So I was just thinking like, as I was listening back to the episode, one of the things that jumped out at me again and again was, um, how like it came up because one of the things we did that episode is we actually reached out to our network of instructors, uh, which during five years has changed a lot too. Uh, there's actually a few guys that are still with us uh, teaching in their respective markets in, you know, various places across the U S um, <clears throat> but, uh, but there's a lot of guys that are no longer with us and some new ones that have come on board during five, the last five years. Um and and I don't know, many people listening to the podcast may not even know that like that's kind of where this whole business started. It was more as a training business with a bunch of instructors and in, you know, a bunch of different markets. And uh that was that was our primary focus for a long time. And uh now it's more on media and selling product and that kind of thing. But we still do a lot of training, we still have an instructor network. So, um, but one thing that kept coming up in that episode was how appendix carry, it's fine if you're not a big guy, mm-hmm. you know, or overweight, or it's fine if you don't have a gut kind of thing. And, uh, and, and I said something very similar too, and that was my belief then too. And I'm here to say five years later that I, I, I think that there is probably a point where you could have such a large gut that is really difficult probably um, to really, honestly, if that's the case, it's probably difficult to carry anything, um, you know, if I'm being honest, but, um, but my attitude about this has changed a lot. Um, I'm not a small guy. I still got a little bit of a dad bod. I've lost some of it in the last year. Um, Actually re ramping up my, my workout routine uh, as of this week, in fact, because just, well, life gets in the way sometimes, you know, I had shot show and then I was back to back weeks teaching on the road and then I got sick and, you know, yeah, I'm making excuses. Sure. But, uh, that's just reality. So I'm like, okay, it's been like a month since I was working out like I should be. And so getting back into that and I, I'm, I'm proud to see I've, I've shed a few pounds and shed a little bit of uh, girth for myself. Not a, not anything earth shattering, but here's the thing for a long time. And I talked about this in that episode 76 appendix carry. I found difficult because I thought I had too big of a gut to make it possible. I definitely do not think that now. And I actually would say that I am on the smaller side of the scale in terms of what you can do with respect to carrying a gun in an appendix carry position. 
Um, and some of that's changed. You know, you got the whole uh, 300th parallel. I don't even remember what that dude's name is, but you know, you can just go search 300th parallel uh, appendix carry or something, and you'll come up with a couple of uh, video results on YouTube where this guy that is is a lot he's a lot bigger dude than I am <clears throat> breaks down how he carries appendix. And so what that just re- reaffirmed for me is that uh, you just about anybody can find a way to make appendix carry work if they want to. And it's relevant to have the discussion of, well, why would you want to? And we definitely talk about a lot of the pros or advantages to appendix carry five years ago. Um, and we talked about some cons or negatives too, I suppose, or, or disadvantages. Um, <clears throat> but uh Maybe that's a relevant place to just talk real quick for a minute, Matthew, and just ask the question, has anything for us changed in terms of the advantages or disadvantages of uh, appendix carry? Um, as far as the advantages go, I mean, the, the inherent advantages that we covered in that, in, uh, in that episode, I think they, they remain the same, right? Um, a, a brief overview would be, right, like it's more concealable. Uh, better access to the gun or a quicker presentation or draw, you know, just less movement, um, better retention in hand to hand type thing, better defense of the gun against gun takeaways or gun grabs. Um, you can draw, draw with your off hand if you had to um, better in, in a seated position, um, you know, easier to access in a seated position. Um, and I think um, and this is this is a subjective term, but I think it's actually more comfortable. Um, but that's a so as far as uh, I don't think any of that has changed as far as like you know reinventing the wheel as far as uh, uh, appendix carry. I can't mm-hmm. think of anything that we didn't cover back then. Yeah, yeah, I think I would I would agree with that. Uh, I was trying to think through it as well, and I I would just say that. Uh, I probably would not have said this then, but I will say it now. And you just said it. And that is, I am also of the belief that when done properly with the right gear that is dialed in and tuned to your body, appendix carry is more comfortable than standard, you know, like inside waistband positions of, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock behind the hip. Um, even small of back, which I don't, I've never really advocated for, um, and certainly still don't, or even, um, you know, cross draw inside waistband. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think the only thing that would be more comfortable is outside waistband if I was going to list anything. But if we're talking about a true concealment role, um, yes, some of us can get away with outside waistband carry options, uh, in certain contexts with, the way we're dressed, uh, the weather, uh, wearing jackets, coats, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you're the, if you're the kind of person that goes to work every day, uh, wearing a suit jacket, like, cool, good on you. If you can make outside waistband carry work, but for most of us, we can't. So if we're sticking with the IWB or inside waistband options, I have found that appendix carry is more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I realized I had that realization when I attended Jeff Gonzalez's construct, uh, concealed carry instructor development course a couple of years back now. And we had to demonstrate proficiency from all these different uh, concealment or carry positions. 
And we had, you know, I spent a good several hours of that class shooting from inside waistband where I used to carry. And I threw my old holster on in the same position that I used to always carry it and was like, well, whoa, what's going on here? This is not what I remember. You know, like that used to be the comfortable way to carry. Um, now, I do think there's two things here. Number one, I think I've learned how to how to carry appendix much better with better gear that's dialed in better for my body. And number two, I think our bodies also um, adjust to to where we carry a gun. And so if, if we give it time, if we give it a few weeks, and that's a tough thing. Sometimes people will try something and they try something new and they're like, ooh, that's not comfortable. Well, get, maybe be a little bit stubborn about it and give it some time. Because when I first started carrying appendix, it wasn't comfortable. And I would say even if I was to give it a rest for a time now and then suddenly go back to stuffing a full-size P320 in my waistband in a floodlight, you know, in the 12, 30, 1 o'clock position, it probably would take me a few hours to the better part of a day to kind of get back adjusted to that, mm -hmm. to the idea of that. So I do think there's a, an adjustment period that our bodies go through. So I think part of that was throwing in that IWB holster behind or at the hip. It was probably like 3.30 is about where I was wearing it. Um, I think I was not used to it. But it was an eye-opening moment because, again, I, I there was a time in my life where I thought nothing could beat the comfort of a classic uh, – inside waistband hybrid holster mm -hmm. seriously so but my attitude about that has absolutely changed in a big way yeah i, I think part of that and well I'll, I'll say that we can hit the negatives and stuff and then we can we can get into uh the reasons maybe why there i think there's some mm -hmm. legitimate reasons we could cover yeah well yeah um well why don't you throw out the, fir the first thing <laughs> you, you want to go two from there. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned, uh, that, you know, there is a trial and error. There was some getting used to just the feel of the gun being there. Right. And, and I a hundred percent agree. Like I went back between a Glock 19 and then I got the, uh, uh for a while I, I tried out the, uh, Enigma with the P365 and it was so small and so light that when I went back to the Glock 19 in the Enigma, um, or just in a, you know, a, a regular holster, it, I mean, just going between those two guns, same position and everything, there was a little bit of, oh, this gun is bigger, right? So mm -hmm. I think they're totally like 100%. I also think if we go back five, you know, five over five years ago, um, the number of people making holsters is, mm. I mean, there's not even, it's not even, you know, remotely the same. And at that time, I mean, at the time when I listened to the, to the, um, back to that episode, you said, Hey, you know, what about appendix carry with, uh, with, uh, a weapon bonded light? And I'm like, uh, I think there's maybe one company that I can think of, right. That like makes a, an appendix rig that holds, uh, that, that you can use a light with. And now, I mean, 
everybody makes one. And so, but plus, you know, with wings and, and wedges. And so the technology and the, I don't want to say technology, maybe the engineering that goes into it, um, the design of the holsters, the, the way the clip systems and, and all that has really made it. So you have even just adjustability, like ride height and can't is a huge thing. And back then I think most of it was just, Hey, let's just take a an IWB holster and put it in the front of your pants. And there's not, mm -hmm. there's not much adjustability yeah. and there's no, so all of that thing, all of that goes into um, making it much more comfortable and viable for so many more people. Yeah. Well, okay. So to put this in perspective of just how much has changed since when we recorded episode 76. Uh, so a little more in five years it was in 2016, the Filster Classic was barely coming to the market or was just barely on the market. Okay. Yeah, it was somewhere around that time frame. Um, you and I were even talking before we went live with the podcast today about, uh, you know, at the time we recorded episode 76, we had somebody asking about, uh, or somebody mentioned, it was one of our instructors actually talked about how, he, because of the security position he was in, he wanted to be able to carry a gun with a weapon mounted light on it. And there wasn't really much in the way of options to do that in the appendix position. Uh, and again, this is 2016. Yeah, that was true. There was not much back then to make that possible. Uh, just a couple of options. Now there's tons of options. The uh, I went back and looked, Matthew, the uh, Filster Spotlight uh, was released in uh, 2017, I think mid-year. That was a weapon-mounted light bearing uh, appendix carry holster. And uh, the floodlight came out, you know, well after that, which is one of my popular choices, you know, that I use these days. So point is, is this this time frame that we're referencing, late 2016, there wasn't a lot, you know, nothing like what we have today in terms of appendix carry holster options, nothing like what is today. And now we have whole appendix carry intended systems, not just holsters. And by that referencing the Enigma released a mm -hmm. uh, little more than a year ago, year and a half ago, thereabouts. Right. So, um, there's been a lot that's changed in five plus years in this game. And so, I mean, that, that definitely has played a role in our ability now as, as concealed carriers in general to carry more stuff, bigger stuff, more comfortably for longer periods of times of time, you know, uh, there's just so much more supporting the idea of appendix carry in today's world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the guns. I mean, think back, think back. Uh, we didn't, we didn't have, we barely had, I think the 43, right? Like we didn't have the, the, the P365s, the Hellcats. And I mean, it, it's just a, it's a, 
so much has changed. Um, and I'll, I'll just, I'll just go and say, you know, in that episode, I was clear, carrying a Glock 27, you know, and that was the gun I got as a backup gun because as a police department, I was issued a, we, we had Glock 22s and it was 40 and I got, you know, the, the baby Glock of the, the, in the 40 and carried that. And, and, you know, I, I shot it well, I didn't have any problems with it. You know, it was, uh, you know, I, I had one caliber that I bought tons of ammo. And, and so I just kind of ran with that. And, um, and, you know, looking back now to, um, you know, in, in, I'll, I'll be honest with you in, in my mindset back then, you know, carrying something over, you know, Glock 19 was like a massive gun, like, man, like, um, mm-hmm. if you can carry anything bigger to Glock 19, you must be doing some <laughs> like voodoo magic stuff. Right. And now it's like a Glock 19 is, is, is nothing. Right. Yep. And be, just because of, you know, the, 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 the design of these holsters and, and everything. So I think just a lot, lots changed, um, maybe in that respect and, um, just more trial and error, more, more trying different things. And, um, Yeah. 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 Um, I was also th- just thinking too, like how much has changed just in terms of the belts people wear mm. for appendix carry. Yeah. I mean, Enigma notwithstanding, which is a whole concealed carry chassis. Um, but you look at like right now I'm, I'm wearing a foundation belt from EDC belt company. Nothing like that existed three three years ago uh, i'm trying to remember exactly when foundation belt came out before that you had a couple of players that were making these low profile uh appendix carry intended uh belts like mastermind tactics blue alpha gear got on board there you know fairly early on um but before that it was like if you when you talked about a gun belt people wanted wide stiff thick belts which that was its own challenging of it in, in and of itself for appendix carry because what we've learned in five years is that you want a little bit of you want a little bit more flexibility there than you do with say carrying a full-size gun outside the waistband at three o'clock uh, that that might require a thick stiff belt but for appendix carry not necessarily appendix carry mostly concerned about the vertical axis being stiff or well supported. Um, but we need a, a little bit more give in the horizontal plane. And, uh, that's something else that's, that has totally evolved in the last several years. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been a really interesting thing. Like going, like it's, it's been fun to think back five years and then think where we are now and think where I was. I mean, you just mentioned how you were carrying Glock 27. Um, I was carrying in that episode we did uh, five, a little more than five years ago, I was carrying a Glock 19 and that was the first time I carried a Glock 19 appendix successfully. And I was doing it in a Q series stealth holster, which is, really more of a trigger guard clip thing. And by the way, to, to that, I think this, the Q series stealth holsters for that style of holster are some of the better products that are out there, but I no longer use anything like that because it just doesn't work quite as well as, uh, as you know, what's available now on the market. And one of the, one, a couple of things for the, 
Q series uh, stealth was that it was very low profile um, and, and you had no extra bulk to the holster. And that was something that was challenging five plus years ago is there were a lot of holsters that weren't particularly well designed or well engineered as you referenced uh, for the appendix position. But there, we've seen a lot of that change in, in five, six years. And uh, so, you know, we look back now five plus years ago and what we were using then uh, what was fine for that time. But why would you use it now when you have so many better options? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, you mentioned you were carrying in the Q series holster. Um, I, on that episode, I met, I, I was, we were talking about that I carried in the brave response holster. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so at that time they didn't, I mean, the brave response holster, if, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like a hybrid belly band and, um, it, it's a little bit more than a belly band, right? If you took the enigma and took off the, the kydex part and it's just it, it kind of a belt system like that with a with kind of a canvasy type uh, material holster uh not a, a hard sided holster and i was carrying uh in the appendix position um with a non-appendix i mean it wasn't designed for appendix um but for me it was it was a viable option at the time there weren't like i said there weren't very many options for um that were very comfortable that had adjustability and that was uh really a comfortable and viable option at the time. Um, you know, I, I know, you know, you, you'll, I'll let you kind of, uh, hit this topic too, but I'll just kind of, since I, you know, I've been, I was using it at the time and stuff that, um, as holsters, you know, um, kind of the technology and the engineering that goes into them and design and everything, um, there's better options than, than a soft sided holster now. And I probably, I wouldn't carry in, in the brave response, not because, uh, because there's other options, not because I think, you know, um, that it's some sort of, um, I don't, it's an inherently dangerous product, right? Like, but it's not as safe as other options, I think potentially. And, um, and so with the other options, I think that there's better choices. What you're saying is, is true. Um, in, in that when you look at the products that are available now, they are substantially more safe than the brave response holster was because, uh, we have custom formed to the gun holster options now from hard plastic, either polymer injection molded or Kydex or Bolteron that there, there just is no physical way for anything to activate the trigger while it's in the holster and the brave response holster. Now to be clear, and it was far, a lot of people would compare it to a belly band and that's not a fair comparison because most of the belly bands I've seen uh, used very thin, elasticy material that never really adequately protected the trigger right. in any way, in my opinion. Uh, the response holster actually was much better in that regard. It was reinforced across the trigger guard area, uh, multiple layers and, and stiffer layers of material there. Um, and... You know, in the way it was designed too, I think 
did a really great job of actually covering the trigger guard and protecting the trigger inside. But compared to, and we did quite a bit of testing. So people would, you know, call into question. Uh, and he re- recently actually did. Somebody called into question my integrity um, over using a product like Brave Response Holster. Really, that would have been over. Well, I used, uh, I would say I used it in limited contexts, less uh, uh, than five years ago, but not extensively and not on like a daily basis. Um, it was five and a half ish plus years ago that I used it more regularly and did, and I, but I wouldn't do it unless I tested it extensively. And I did quite a bit of time of jabbing it and jabbing it with, uh, you know, rods and sticks and various things, trying to see if I could get the trigger to depress through the material. And, while it was possible, it required very a lot of a lot of pressure in a very specific point, um, and it was such amount of pressure that it was pretty. It, it gave me confidence at that time to carry in it. But again, compared to what we have available now, there's just no there's no point. There's no reason to use anything like that anymore. And I would say there is no reason in today's world to justify using a soft-sided holster um, really of any kind for concealed carry purposes because we have so many other great, better, undoubtedly safe options that you can accommodate to basically any uh, carry context you can imagine. You know, you're wearing a dress, you're wearing a skirt, you're wearing uh, swim trunks even. Like, you know, like you can find absolutely 100% guaranteed safe products to carry your gun in now that will suit those types of carry situations. So, um, yeah, I, I think we I think we hit on that pretty well. I mean, so... To, to your point, you were talking about how five and a half years ago, you were carrying in a Brave Response holster. This was before the Brave Response appendix holster even existed. You were just using the standard one in the appendix position, and that worked okay. Yeah. Um, and that's what you were doing with a Glock 27. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what, what are you carrying in now? So right now, I have uh, a um, Tier 1 Tactical. Um, I think it's the Axis or... Something, oh something. yeah, tier one, uh, tier one concealed. Yeah, tier one concealed. Um, it's just a Kydex holster, the wing, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. um, and then I also have the Enigma set up for a P three sixty five, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I go. Which holster years. are you using for that? I have a. Um, is it Henry? Hol- I think it's a Henry holster. Oh, the Henry one. A, yeah, yeah, standard Henry holsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, so and that's that set up really well for, for the longest time I was carrying my Glock 19 in the uh, Filster Pro series, which is a fantastic holster. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, so I've gone to from, you know, a, a baby Glock to, you know, I, I guess 19 still a compact size, you know, it's not a duty size gun, but um, you know, a little longer slide, longer uh, grip and everything. And, you know, and I'll tee this up for you because I'll, I'll hand it back over to you because you were carrying something else back then. And we're going between like longer guns versus shorter guns and and why, mm-hmm. you know, the appendix, why 
that is an that is mm-hmm. a benefit of appendix carry and and why you can carry a longer gun and it's actually better or more comfortable yeah yeah so five plus years ago and keep in mind when we recorded episode 76 that's really it was just a little bit before that that i first started really carrying appendix and it became my primary carry position when we launched the concealed carry podcast a little more than six years ago uh it was like february of 2016 so it was actually earlier in the of that same year that we recorded episode 76 uh i was still carrying iwb you know just slightly behind the hip um in a hybrid holster right and that that had been my thing for a long time uh because that's all i knew and and that was the solution that worked for me and that that accommodated uh me and my needs and my gun and and so on and so forth. So when we recorded episode 76, I I had just I I had tried the Q series stealth holster and was like, "Hmm, okay, I think I can make this work." And one of the realizations I had in that episode had to do with uh both ride height of the gun cuz I think that some of the appendix type holsters I had tried before that I was trying to wear them too low. And it so it caused a lot of pinching and hot spots and pressure points in the inguinal crease and groin area of my body. And with the Q series holster, it, it didn't have a lot of adjustability, but it was it was you know Gary that designed that did a great job. Uh, he he he's a is I don't know if he still is actually I haven't talked to him in a little while, but was a federal air marshal, so he was caring for his job in a concealed context riding airplanes all the time. And uh, so he, he, you know, he understood how to do this um, pretty well. And and he designed that, that clip style type holster clipped around the trigger guard and the forward uh, kind of dust cover portion of the pistol. And the right height of that was higher than what I had typically done. And was like, Oh, that's interesting. But I quickly realized that that was part of the answer that I had been trying to wear things too low um, and the other thing was, and I mentioned it a couple times in that episode, how I was like, why is the 19 more comfortable than the 43? Right. That's another point. Like you mentioned, you touched on a little bit, just how much, uh, guns have changed in five, six years, you know, where five, six years ago we had the 43, which hadn't been out for very long at that point, even. And like the Smith and Wesson shield. And those were kind of your two, common single stack type guns that people were starting to carry with more and more. Now, of course we got those size of guns, but double stack now in the form of the 365 and the shield plus and the 43 X's and 48s and so on and so forth. Again, just how much has changed. Um, but this is one thing that hasn't really changed and is still, I think, being figured out by some people, but the industry by and large has figured it out. And by industry, I mean the holster-making industry. And that is that for the appendix position to really work well, you need the gun to be well-balanced as it carries in the waistband. And that's a, co- a combination of things. Number one, it's a combination of how much material or gun and holster is below the top of your belt and how much of it is above the top of your belt. And it's also, and it, these are obviously related things, how much weight is below the top of the belt and how much weight is above the top of the belt. Well, in the case of semi-automatic pistols, 
they have a lot of weight above the belt because all of your ammunition is above the belt because it's in the grip of the gun. One of the reasons why J-frame size revolvers were popular with appendix carry use going back decades. Um, number one, there wasn't a lot of options, especially talk about options available 20, 30, 40 years ago, Matthew, for deep, deep undercover appendix carry work, you know, part of the thing there was guys were just stuffing revolvers in their, yep. in their waistbands um, because they didn't have any other option. And a double action revolver was considered generally safe because big, long, stiff double action trigger. Right. But they also carried and worked well because they, there was more weight below the belt line than above because the grip of your revolver really doesn't weigh that much. much. And so semi-automatics have the opposite problem. And then combined with our, our anatomy, and this is true of, for everybody. This is not just a big person problem. This is an everybody problem. Uh, even those that are skinny and are relatively flat tummied, you are still, like if you look at how your body's shaped, your, where your groin begins, the lower abdomen to the groin and the inguinal crease, which is the crease between your leg and your groin, that, that part of your body it curves inward, right? It just does. Um, if you have any sort of gut, it exemplifies or, or exaggerates how much that part of our body goes, you know, curves inward, right? Cause now we have something above it that's leaning outward. And so when we put a gun there and we have a short barreled gun, especially we have, a belly and it doesn't even take much of a belly to do this. And we have weight both working against us to push or lean outward the top half of the gun. And what that does is the shorter the barrel is, there's less leverage there. And so the upper portion has a ton of leverage and it just leverages that small short barrel into, into your, your lower abdomen slash groin. And it, creates a very, very hot spot, a, a lot of pressure. And so by having a longer gun, you now create greater leverage below the belt line to balance that out. And you also then increase weight down there too, which helps too. So, but here's the thing. Some people still want to carry a small gun, like say a P365 well, has a fairly short barrel. And so the holster manufacturers, what they figured out was, well, we can just make the holster longer than the barrel of the, or slide of the gun. And we get the leverage benefit, maybe not so much the weight benefit, but the leverage is the big is a big piece. And then we started figuring out, oh, well, we can do things like have integrated wedges, like more and more holsters now. Filster, I think, was the first that innovated that. Um with the Filster Classic, and, and then you see it with the Filster Pro, which I think is really smartly designed in that regard. And it's also very rounded down there, even though it's slightly bulbous. Um, but it, it works really well and is super comfortable. Uh, you saw people started to add foam wedges and yoga blocks. They would cut them and customize them and shape and glue them and adhere them, Velcro sticky them, et cetera, et cetera, to the bottom inside portion of their holsters to balance the, the gun out. And not only that, but even create the opposite effect of trying to tilt the gun a little bit inward 
And there's a sweet spot. You can do it so much that it obviously becomes uncomfortable at the top portion of the gun or even makes it difficult to grab and draw. So this, this brings us to probably the biggest thing that I've learned in five years is that for, and I would say this is generally true for just about anywhere you carry a gun, but it's especially true for appendix carry. And in fact, it's a necessity. And that is that appendix carry requires you to tweak and customize the gun and hold, well, really the holster, uh, but it's a system of things because belt and holster work together and all of that, but really you've got to tweak and customize those things to you. And so we set it up and number one, we, I mean, we, we want to address comfort. That's obvious. So even just if we add a very flat foam wedge to the bottom of a holster, we can make it a little bit more rounded, a little bit more cushioned and remove some of the hot spots from the groin area of the holster. Okay. That's great. Then we can start looking at things like, where are we printing? If we're printing, if the grip of the gun is, is the thing that's printing the most, what's the solution for that? Well, add a claw or wing. And you mentioned that in that episode, Matthew, uh, five years ago. Uh, and that was really a new-ish concept at that point. It was just starting to become a thing. And now it's pretty much in everything. You know, like every holster maker worth their salt has for, for appendix carry, especially has some sort of wing or claw, um, available as an option. So add a wing or claw. And now we even have things like the mod wing where you can actually customize how much, how wide or how tall that thing is. So you can, Hey, I just need a little bit of a, of grip tuck. Okay. We'll use the smaller version of the mod wing. No, I need a lot of tuck. I need to bring that, grip in a lot. We'll use the tall one, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then the wedge is at the bottom of the holster and even changing the positioning of that to a degree and the thickness of that, it can bring in the top portion of the gun. We're more like where the beaver tail is or the back of the slide, the rear sight, that kind of stuff. And there's also an effect a little bit where the wedge and the claw or wing can work together a little bit. You know, and so where we get to now is an appendix carry holster that is incredibly concealable and allows us to carry bigger stuff with greater levels of concealment than we ever have. And in my experience, and this is going to be personal to every person, but the slight, you know, a bigger gun is, has been, in my experience, more comfortable for me to carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a point, you know, like sure. I can, I can go with a really long gun and a long holster that's so long, it's hard to tuck all that inside the pants and really presses down against the crease of my leg or whatever. But, you know, but I want some length. I want some, some size there. It spreads out the load and the pressure of that against the body gives me more to work with and allows me to dial in things like a wedge, uh, to really find the sweet spot for me personally. Uh, the smaller guns are not as much where it's at, but they're still possible to use because we have artificially lengthened holsters and, um, and and we've got also, um, things like, you know, you could talk about, about the Enigma, I suppose, a little bit. You, you've been running one. I've got one. I've been running it. Um, and, and kind of what that does is it's a whole 
concealment chassis. Mm -hmm. It's a system unto its own. It's not dependent upon your pants or the belt you wear or how you're dressed so much. Uh, Really, it's configured to your body directly because it attaches to your body through the means of its own belt. So, Sorry, I got a little bit long-winded there, but that's some kind of a summary of a bunch of things that we've learned over the last five-plus years and kind of explain from where I started and, and now to where I'm at. I was at a Glock 19, a Q-Series Stealth Clip-style holster five-plus years ago and just starting finally to succeed a little bit at appendix carry. And I went through the whole gamut of going to smaller guns, um, bigger guns, uh, um, um, sidecar style holsters. That actually was very short lived for me. It didn't work for me at all. Um, you know, to Filster Classics, to Filster Pros, to Filster Floodlights. And so, like where I'm at now, and I say Filster a lot because I'm a big fan of Filster products. I think they, they're some of the absolute innovators in this space filster along with henry um they actually work very closely together um those guys do a phenomenal job that's not to say there's not other companies out there doing good work but if we're being honest we actually owe those guys a lot in terms of the innovation that's occurred in the last five six years uh, in a big 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 way and a lot of things other makers are 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 doing that are things that they've kind of taken or adopted or even stolen in some cases from guys like Andrew Henry and John Hauptman over at Filster. So today I carry a pretty much a full size P320, a lot of times with a light on it in a Filster floodlight holster. And why? Because for whatever reason, that particular holster without a wedge, even that's a weird thing for me. Almost everything else requires some kind of wedge for me, but the Filster floodlight with a weapon mounted light on it on my gun conceals, tucks, hides my gun ex- incredibly well and is super comfortable. I can wear it all day long. I can wear it on a 16 hour road trip type drive and I am comfortable. So, what a ride we've been on. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. And I'm going to do some speculating here and I, you know, I'm not a historical buff on, on, on this. I probably should know, but like um, it, if I, if memory, you know, serves me correctly, um, somebody's out there either looking this up right now and you can call me out. I think concealed carry probably didn't become, uh, you know, uh, acceptable or widely accepted in the country until probably what the late nineties, right? Maybe early two thousands where more and more people started caring and, and it really didn't start catching on right across the country with the speed that it, in, in the fervor that it has now. And so I think what happened, you know, like we got more people involved in concealed carry from outside you know, they were engineers or they were, you know, people that were looking at these things from, I, I'm not smart enough to to design a holster like John Hauptman or, you know, like, and, and do those things. I can tell you why it works, right? Like I can look at it, but I'm not the innovator that's going to, you know, look at it and say, hey, let's do this and let's try that. So to have those people come in and start like 
you know, let's make a, a, a holster out of, you know, Kydex or Boltron, or let's combine the two, or let's make a clip like this. I mean, think about the clips that just something stupid, like a clip, you know, you have that one foamy clip that was like the quintessential clip or, you know, the, the standard, clip, right. Like and your, your run of the mill holster makers still use foamy yeah, clips. But anybody lot. who's making a holster, that's like purpose built, right? Like I'm putting some thought in they're putting, you know, different types of clips that, and it's just, you know, putting oh, extra yeah. holes in, in the clip. So you can, adjust. it's just like, even the advent of the DCC clips, uh, the yep. discrete carry concepts clips, uh, relatively recent thing in his, in the historical timeline. And th- they are awesome. Yeah. And you're, you're not, you're not, you're, you're completely right, Matthew talking about like <laughs> how there's different holes and adjustability even to the clips themselves and different holes on the holster bodies that you can mount and position. You can slide things because people have woken up to this understanding like even the slightest change in, in can't or ride height. Uh, like, so for me with my Filster floodlight, I, I spent quite a bit of time dialing in that, that ride height, getting just finding the right spot for that both for access to get my hand on the grip of the gun, um, but also for comfort, balancing things below the belt and above the belt. But then I also realized I wanted just a little bit more room for that, for the light part portion of the holster body uh, to get it a little bit off the crease of my leg and just increase or really going negative on the cant slightly. We're talking like not even five degrees probably. And that, having the adjustability in my, cause I have DCC clips on my floodlight holster mm-hmm. and just raising the clip on the right side of the holster as it sits on my body, dropped the grip slightly downward, moved the whole bottom of the holster slightly leftward and it put it in this perfect sweet spot. But that wouldn't have been possible without the, the DCC clips I'm using have the slots in them. Mm-hmm. So you can slide them, and then the holster itself has basically slots or or multiple uh, screw holes on them, and uh, uh, yeah, just yeah, so many little, sometimes the, the teeny, the tiniest of innovations yep. that you know, have just the whole put it all together collectively and and man we are in the golden age of concealed carry <laughs> and who knows i mean you look back and you say why didn't anybody just make a different clip with more adjustability like how, why was that such a monumental leap forward in technology right we're putting mm-hmm. people on the moon but we can't figure out to add a couple holes to this clip so we can but like just imagine you know six years from now if we're still doing this and we're gonna have to remake this because there's probably gonna be mm-hmm. i hope they don't bring the taurus curve back and somehow that be right but right but like right. who knows what's <laughs> gonna happen right like yeah, that future. was probably about five or six years ago when that oh. came out right like what can we do uh, to make concealed carry or concealed carry easier curved and again. better? Guess we better make a curved gun. <laughs> yeah. you, you were talking about more and more people getting concealed carry, and just you know, I think you're right. That has created a um, 
a lot of momentum in the in the in the space to and a lot of and it's brought a lot of minds to the industry people coming up with ideas and innovations and things and to to prove your point of how many more people are getting into concealed carry we have carrot top watching from colorado here today oh, and so man. You know, even even carrot top is well, uh, carrying concealed these the, days the prop comedian <laughs> man that is awesome man <laughs> uh, I, I have no idea. It's just a, just a name on, on YouTube. You but, but, hello, go. Carrot Top, uh, watching from Colorado. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by the way, this is not this is not appendix carry related. But Carrot Top, that dude's pretty buff. Like I don't know if you've seen that guy. You'd think he he's not, but that that dude he he apparently works out or takes steroids <laughs> or something. He's buff, man. No, Carrot Top, don't don't beat me up or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of interrupted you there a little bit there. I mean, I, I want to throw this back at, at you. We're kind of getting to a, a point. We got to start winding this down, coming to the end of, of the hour and, and the end of this episode. Um, but w- what are kind of your final thoughts on, on this subject here today? Yeah, I think I'll just say that um, I'm glad that we're revisiting this because a lot, a lot has changed as far as the industry and as far as my outlook and how I carry and, and the things that work, there's more things that, you know, I can now look back and say, yeah, I tried that. I tried this, this doesn't work. This might work for you. Um, but I, I think for, I think at this point, um, I can honestly, and at that time it was still kind of, Hey man, if you're against, if you don't want to try appendix carry, like, don't even try it. Like it's not for you, you know, like, and I wouldn't force appendix carry on any concealed carry. I'm just saying like, if you're concealed carrying now and, and you've never tried, like, I'm not saying taking, you know, you took your, your hybrid holster and you stuck it in the front of your pants. I'm saying if you haven't tried a purpose built uh, appendix carry holster and you've taken some time to dial that in and tweak it, not just, you know, put it on. Oh, can't do it. Like if you haven't tried it, seriously can try consider um trying it out because it is it allows you to carry a larger gun um conceal it more comfortably in all the you know in in uh, i'm let's talk um capacity wise put that aside comfort wise let's say it's subjective but your ability to defend against the gun grab to draw the gun with with an opposite hand or all those things are um, are so important and, you know, we can argue about capacity and all that, but to not have to worry about somebody coming up and grabbing your gun from behind you before getting your their hand on the gun before you even know it. Um, it's a tremendous advantage. So Mm -hmm. I would say in this day and age, if you're concealed carrying, you know, consider it, consider appendix. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that there are some very strong reasons why to con- at least consider appendix carry. Um, we talked, we touched on a lot of those things in that episode and a lot of that still rings true. I would say it's even more so true in my mind. Now, um, I think I mentioned back then five years ago that, Oh yeah. Appendix carry draw for me is like a 10th of a second faster than my tradition, my usual location. I'd actually say it's a lot faster for me now, like a good quarter second. And the reason why is because I've gotten, I've practiced appendix, my appendix draw to a point where 
it, it's really, really good. Um, and it's easy to do for me. And, uh, it, I could never get my IWB draw to that level. Not, not, it just, it just takes too long and it's too, it's, it's less efficient in terms of clearing my shirt out of the way and getting, you know, the grip and everything, um, on the guns. So, um, it, it is faster. I believe it's more secure. I believe it's less likely to be discovered. It's easier to conceal your gun in the appendix position. I really, truly believe that in a big way. Um, I don't have to worry about when I bend over, you know, the butt of the gun printing or even becoming exposed uh, underneath my clothing. Uh, it's just always there and it's secure and it's hidden and it's, but it all, all, all of that together with it being immediately and easily accessible from pretty much any position I find myself in, it still is and will continue to be for as forever, as far as I'm concerned at this point, my chosen method of carrying a gun. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we probably could visit some more about this, uh, but I think we've done it some justice to kind of talk about where we were five years, three months ago and where we are today. And not only me and Matthew, but also kind of the industry at large a little bit. Uh, But we are in a time and place where there are more guns to choose from Mm -hmm. of a variety of types with great capacity and performance potential. Um, all the way from small guns to big guns and everything in between holsters to support them, uh, products like the Filster Enigma, that is its own standalone holster mounting carrying chassis solution, which completely has changed the game for a lot. We've, we've had people here commenting today about how Enigma is like, is their jam now because it is, uh, so good at what it does. And I'll say that. Today, I mentioned how I carry most of the time a full size 320 in a floodlight. I still I still carry that one on my belt. I do have the light bearing Enigma that I could mount that holster to, and I played around a little bit with that. Um, I didn't find as much juice being worth the squeeze for me in that configuration, but I know people that have had great success in that configuration. But for me, I really like the P365XL mounted in a Filster Pro mounted to the Enigma. And so if I'm not carrying my full-size gun, then that's what I'm carrying is that 365 XL on an Enigma. And it works amazingly well, amazingly well. So, uh, and partly why that is, is because it's so adjustable. Mm -hmm. You can adjust can't, well, not as much can't, but a little bit. Um, but you can adjust the ride height and how much tuck and all these different variables and factors with respect to how that gun is concealing on your body and and both from a concealment, but also a comfort perspective. And also you can refine the ride height way more infinitely with a product like the Enigma. So crazy world we're in. It's time to wrap this up. But before we let you go, we do need to announce our weekly podcast 
prize winner. Uh, this week, we're giving away a Legal Boundaries by State book. Uh, and uh, next week, we're giving away a Spark flashlight from Ready Up Gear. Uh, cool little uh, flashlight. So who is our winner, though, of the Legal Boundaries by State book? Winner, winner is Jeff K. You've won the Legal Boundaries by State. So I have sent an email out and check your inbox if that's your name and you're listening. Awesome. Congrats, Jeff K. Uh, congrats on winning. Folks, r- a reminder that each week that resets. So you need to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to sign up for the weekly giveaway. This next week, again, we're giving away a Ready Up Gear MCF Spark Flashlight. Great little product, valued at around 50 ish dollars, 45 to $50. I don't remember exactly, but it's a great little light, very compact, very concealed carry friendly, but still has fantastic output for its size. Get signed up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. One more shout out to our sponsors of today's episode the uh, Gunfighter Gun Oil, gunfighteroil.com. And make sure to check out and learn about the Guardian Conference. We hope to see you there. Early bird pricing, in effect, right now, guardianconference.com is the website. Also, Gunfighter Gun Oil is a sponsor of the, of the conference, just so you know. So that's that's cool. And I should say that the Guardian Conference is presented by CCW Safe. I don't always remember to do that, and I should do that because they are our presenting title sponsor of that event. So we, we thank CCW Safe for their support of the Guardian Conference. So with that... Matthew, thank you for another fine episode. Thank you. Thanks sir. for revisiting the uh, <laughs> topic of appendix carry with me five years later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we learned a lot, right? Indeed. And we'll I continue to learn. We will continue to learn. I, I would anticipate in five more years, there'll be more stuff for us to talk about in this subject. <laughs> more things that we'd learned and figured out. Well, guys, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. 